Welcome to the podcast, The Life Makeover Show. A weekly series of convos with everyday women who experience massive shifts in their lives when they park their egos, guilt, and opinion of others. Please join us, Tina Gesso and Susan Hum, co-founders of Love & Sync Dating Website and Life Makeover Collective, to hear the powerful, moving stories of these strong women. We will have open, unpolished conversations about how they got the clarity they needed to get unstuck in some aspect of their life. So they can take decisive action to make massive improvements in their relationships, career, family, and achieve their dreams. In the convo, not only will we highlight the transformations and shifts experienced by our guests, but we will also highlight the process that got them there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Life Makeover Show podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. And today, Susan and I are absolutely thrilled to be presenting and welcoming our special guest, Lorelai Mariano. Isn't that a beautiful name? So who is Lorelai? Lorelai is a jewelry designer whose pieces have been featured in magazines, grace the runways, and displayed during Fashion Week LA. She was also featured on Real Wives of Orange County for three seasons, and her jewelry line, Bella Rush, was highlighted during season two. Wow, that's amazing. She also leads high-level masterminds and has a powerful and has had powerful thought leaders and healers on as guest speakers, such as Joseph McLennan, Scott Harris, Michael Burnett, Master Co., John Paul Crimi, and John Amaral. Pretty impressive. Lorelai's mission and purpose in life is to guide people through their childhood trauma and help them recognize their adversities as gifts to learn, grow, and serve. She is currently writing a book about her life story and developing a podcast to inspire and help others through their trauma. Lorelai has worked with Steven Tyler's Janie's Fund and was featured on all of Steven's media platforms to share her story. She is also on the Unblinded team as the Real Raw Relationship Coordinator. Welcome, Lorelai. Thank you. So nice to be here. And hi, Susan. How are you doing today? Hey, Tina. Hi, Lorelai. I'm doing, oh, I honestly, this is one of the podcasts I've been really looking forward to because Lorelai is very special to me and the way we met was magic and powerful. So I can't wait for everybody to hear her story. What a great intro. So how we all met to begin with, I think it's interesting to kind of connect the dots on that, is that Lorelai and I were part of this Facebook challenge online. And that's, and for our listeners, it's basically a way to get used to being on video and share within a really supportive space. And just to put yourself out there and get used to, you know, talking on live video, essentially. And Lorelai popped up. I don't know if you remember this, Lorelai. You popped up in my feed one day. I was talking about something about my business and what Susan and I are doing. And you said, hey, fellow Canadian, you know, I I like this, I like that. And then we just started chatting from there. And I was following you. You were following me a little bit on our lives. And then I said to Susan, oh, my God, Susan, you have to connect with Lorelai. She's an amazing woman with some amazing talents and a crazy story. And then, Susan, you stepped into the picture, right? And we all got connected. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is Lorelai sort of, and I exchanged one or two texts and that was it, like literally it for months until the beginning of this year. Like, no, it was in February. It was right before Tony Robbins' birthday party. It was right before that week before you went to the party. Oh, That's well, when oh, we really started talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're giving me advice on what I should do when I meet those movers and shakers. <laughs> 
<laughs> Susan's two sets of advice. <laughs> but they work. It did. Absolutely. So before we get into all of that and, you know, your story and your journey, which is just extraordinary that I've been learning about also recently, is I would like, you know, really how I, a lot of people see you, Lorelai, is that you're very inspirational, right? And based on all the, your crazy journey up to now and your life when you were a child and where you went from, you know, small town Canada and everything that you went through to being in California and, you know, achieving the levels of success that you have and the notoriety. And by the way, guys, we're on a podcast, so you're just hearing Lorelai's beautiful voice, but she is, you know, extraordinarily beautiful at the same time. And I said to her before the podcast, if nobody knew your story, we would think that you were born in the lap of luxury and you've just had all of this time to take care of yourself and look as wonderful as you do. But that's not quite the case. And that's what makes, you know, your story so dramatic and compelling. Right. So at what point in your life did you realize that you could be this source of inspiration for people or, you know, you were inspired to start talking about your story? That actually came about, I would say, during training from Tony Robbins during his events. So he basically teaches us our, how to find our mission and purpose. And it definitely was Tony that got me in the forefront and thinking and really digging deep into what that looks like. Do you remember what year that what year was that? Uh, oh, that was three and a half years ago. Wow. So really, it was probably at one of his at the seminar date with destiny, where we had to really dive deep. And there was a time I was really focused all on myself. And I have a really amazing mentor. And he would say, Okay, we've got to stop this. And the moment you stop thinking about you and helping and serving others is when you're going to break out of that and you're not going to be in that suffering state. So that was almost went hand in hand. And once I started to step outside of myself and started to give myself challenges, then in terms of really putting myself out there, telling a little bit about my story, then it was all came together and people were contacting me saying, oh my gosh, you're so inspirational. And I love your story. And from that, I actually you know, started masterminds, but I started diving deep into more of what I want to do and how I can help others guide them through childhood trauma. So when you say childhood trauma, you were born into a situation you had no control over, right? So you were born into a family that basically was not really serving you in the area of love and care, right? And so... Why don't you just give the audience a little bit of a sort of a quick, because otherwise we could sit here for days because this story is a movie. <laughs> but why don't you just give a little brief sort of outline in terms of your very early life? Okay, well, my mother had a very difficult time. She was actually, when she was eight months old, she, there was an accident with a babysitter. So she was in a coma for eight months when she was eight months old and had brain damage and different things, epilepsy and paralysis to her left hand. So I started, it started in the womb. Let's just say that my mother actually had a grand mal seizure when she was eight months pregnant and with me. And so my mother had, she didn't have a lot of skills in terms of because what happened to her. So when she got married young and then had me, 
And at two years old, I was kidnapped in the middle of the night by my abusive father. And I was missing for about 10 months. And so there was a time actually that I had a memory of my mother with a bloody face and a man throwing the clothes out the window and us running to the neighbors. And I said, who was that? And my mom said, oh, that was your dad. So he was that abusive, mentally, physically abusive. So I was in his care, you know, for 10 months. And then the police were saying, when you, if you see her, you know, just grab her and run. So I remember my mother showing pictures of her because she didn't think I'd remember because I was only two. So from there, I went into her care, but that was just into more kind of neg- a lot of neglect, a lot of abuse in different ways. So I was left alone a lot in an apartment of ours. And then there was a time my mother actually had another baby from a boyfriend. And I witnessed his death. He actually died in front of me when he was two months old. And it was due to his internal organs not being fully developed, but also it was due to neglect. Because I remember trying to feed him milk when I was... This was when I was five, by the way. So my mother said, come home, Trevor's sick. And when I went into the house, there was fire trucks and ambulances and police cars. And I saw the paramedics trying to give him mouth to mouth. And then they grabbed me and didn't want me in that environment. My mother had a nervous breakdown after this incident, after this traumatic event. So I went into the care of my godmother, who for... I don't know how long it was, not too long. And she, but she couldn't keep me. So I was looking at jewelry, believe it or not, in her bedroom. And there was a knock at the door and two women in suits came in. They were social workers, but they didn't tell me where I was going, what was happening. And so I thought I was being kidnapped again. And so I was grabbing onto the door handle, trying not to go, crying. And they just grabbed me pushed me into a car. We drove for hours. And this was, I think this was Edmonton, actually, for people that know Canada. So we were driving for hours. And then I arrived in the dark at a strange home that was going to be now my foster home. And I was in that foster home for about eight months or so. There was other foster kids in there, which was not always fun. Yeah, let's just say that one. It was interesting. And you were like five years old at that point. Yeah I, yeah, I was five. And then finally, my grandparents finally took me after being in the foster home for eight months because my aunt, when she was 16, she said, you've got to take her. She's family. I'll help look after her. And so finally they agreed. But so that when I was six, I went into live with my grandparents. And so it was an improvement, but there is still a very a lot of trials and tribulations. For instance, they were alcoholics, very mentally abusive. My grandmother was very mentally abusive. And I had a memory of living with my friend when I was 10 or 11. And I asked her, I said, I don't even remember why I lived with you. And she said, I, you know, I said, I lived with you for six months. She says, yes, it's because your grandmother was trying to attack you with a knife to kill you. And I'm going, okay. So I had totally blocked that 
So then when I was 18, my grandmother, I or actually, I stayed with my, for her for six months and then went back to live there. And then I ended up living with my, my grandmother kicked my grandfather and I out of the house when I was 18. So during my 12th year of school, I slept on a couch and my grandfather and I shared a studio apartment. So that's, was, we're talking from the womb until 18 was kind of a lot of traumatic events. So mm-hmm. needless to say, that has certainly affected your ability to have relationships because you didn't really have any role models. So how did that affect you going through your life in terms of your older life, your adult life? Well, the biggest part was not a lot of trust, but I feel I had so much abandonment that I would push people away. I would think, well, if I leave them first and they won't leave me, but if there was a breakup, it was almost unbearable. It was so painful. I was feeling the abandonment all over again. So, but there was a time that was, as far as relationships, my first husband was, you know, at the beginning, very kind and caring, but I would just have so much anger and just want to push him away. So yeah, that's what happened there. What was the first moment? Because this is just, you know, and I'm always curious and just want to know so much about at what point do we realize that we need help? Because when you, when we're in a situation where we grew up in a situation where nobody helped us, like at which moment does it click in our mind that, oh my gosh, I need help rather than somebody coming to save you? Because you actually took that step on your own to say you need help, right? It's not like you got saved every time because usually when people go through that type of trauma throughout their life since birth, they're waiting for somebody to come save them. Not everybody has a revelation. You did. Yeah, I did. I did. Or they turned to drugs or alcohol to hide, mask the pain. I had actually gone to therapy when I was 20. Every week, cognitive hypnotherapy, whatnot. So I was kind of coasting along. But there was a very important kind of event where it did hit home where I knew I had to do some really deep, deep work. So my son was 13 and my daughter was 11. And I had learned, that's when I learned the information about my father, that he was abusive. And then I learned that I had a half brother and sister. When I was 28, I learned I had a half brother and sister. So I eventually, I met my half brother. We had a beautiful time. He came to visit me from Canada in LA. And when he left, that triggered me and I felt huge abandonment. I felt that sense of loss again. So those two events actually pushed me into a very, very deep depression. You know, I go through depression all those years, of course, but this was insane, just horrible depression where I could be barely even go to the store to buy groceries for food for my children and my family. I dragged myself. I just would be in bed wanting to sleep. I was felt suicidal and I felt also massive, massive panic attacks. All of those all at once. I remember putting, you know, a bottle of pills in my hand. And <laughs> I haven't talked about this for for a long time. Yeah, so putting the pills in my hand and thinking, you know, I have my 
my children to think of. And I thought, this is just, you've got to do something. So I made, um, I took a leap of faith and I checked myself into an inpatient treatment center called The Meadows, which is run by Brad, John Bradshaw. And I thought, you know what, you've got, I was super scared. I thought, okay, I'm going to a crazy house. So, but I went there. I had my bags packed because you live there. My kids are over, you know, my kids are gone. I have to leave my kids. And so I walk in there with my bags and I'm looking around at all these people and I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? But I thought you have to do this for yourself. You have to leave your kids to heal. And I knew what incredible reputation this place had. So I had to be brave and really just trust the process. So from there, it was, I did trauma work, healing trauma work 24-7 every day. And then in solo and group sessions, it was powerful, incredible. And then my counselors, after the five weeks, they suggested that I go for aftercare at a neighboring facility called the Melody House. I went there for two and a half months and had, did equine therapy, all kinds of treatment. My son, actually, they had family weeks, so my 13-year-old, he came for a whole week and learned what we learn in five, uh, how many weeks he learned in one week. So that was really amazing. And so after that, I never experienced any, after I was done that, it was horrible because I was in, in the sense of feeling like I was abandoning my children. And my daughter told me, and this still affects me still today, she said every day I was gone, she would cry but she knew when she was young. So, you know, but it was the best gift I gave to them and the best gift I gave to myself. And so that was the one thing that was super instrumental. And I never had any self-harm or any feelings of anger after that. Well, one thing I noticed always about you since I've known you, which is not that long, but still, is that you've learned a huge amount of compassion for yourself you know, and that anybody goes through trauma, real trauma, not just like, oh, I got ditched by a boyfriend, <laughs> but yeah. real trauma. We can never take it lightly. It's with us forever. So the moment we have compassion, because I hear you talking about it all the time, how compassionate you are with yourself. And it's, it's a constant reminder, but yet wouldn't you say it's the highest form of self-love when you go through that process continuously to give yourself compassion? Is yeah. that what you would say is a big part of your healing? It is. Self-love and really giving yourself grace and just having all that positive self-talk and awareness. Because this does not happen overnight. This takes a lot of hard work. And it takes so many moments of darkness to see the light and be able to walk through it to the other side. But... There was times I never thought that I would come out of it. I never thought I could not be depressed or angry or just in this horrible suffering state. But there came a time where I thought, okay, I have a lot of skills. I have a lot of heart, a lot of compassion. And, you know, my story is I lived that in order to help other people. I was like I was chosen. So, yeah, I um, think that's... 
Tina, I want you to chime in on her love of energy because it's insane. Yeah. It's insane, this girl. And I want Tina to talk about it because I could see I think her we're, thinking it. <laughs> we're communicating telepathically because that was the thing that was at the forefront of my head was love, right? And, you know, your tremendous, like you just mentioned, your progress towards self-love as well as love of your children. I'm sure that was a tremendous motivator for you. Right. Because if you hadn't had your children, would you have really, you know, potentially would have self-harmed because there's like no one to hold us accountable at that point. And what I know of you right now is that you you have this loving energy wherever you are in your masterminds when I see you doing your lives. And for all the handsome dudes out there, we know that Lorelai is single right now. However... However, I know you're holding yourself out for this ideal love story. Once again, as you know, and me too, I'm single. I mean, you know, that helps keep us on track, right, Lorelai? Because we want that ultimate love. Before I let her finish this off, because this is the most hilarious thing, I've been trying to love coach this girl. But you know what, though? She is married to her love for herself. And that love she's holding out for the ultimate and that's the highest like literally you love yourself so much that you're holding out for that ultimate love Mm -hmm. that's incredible and you know i was just gonna say now that i'm in this place i know i'm gonna attract exactly the person that i'm looking for and they're gonna be in the same realm and work that i'm doing and and have the same missions and purpose i know that's what's gonna happen And what I see is the ultimate gift of self-love is the fact that you have taken like a crazy, crazy childhood traumatic experience where a lot of people would not have recovered. And even if they were still functioning, you know, what kind of a person would they be? You know what I mean? Just because of the trauma of carrying forward, going through what you did in your formative years. And they say that our life is totally impacted by everything that happened to us before the age of seven. And looking at everything that happened to you before the age of seven, it's just unbelievable. Like I said, trauma, I have no other word for it other than that. But the fact that you are recognizing what you went through as a gift and that you are a source because of how you've gone beyond that and gotten on track with your life. And, you know, not only do you look amazing, but you are amazing and you have such an inspirational story for people and you're magnetic. You have this love magnetism around you right now because of all of that. And would that have been the case if you hadn't gone through that trauma earlier on? Who knows, right? But the fact that you have looked at your trauma and you've made it into a gift to help other people, that is so beautiful, really. Hats off to you, Lorelai. Thank you. Thank you. And there's a lot, a lot of stories in between. But yeah, I definitely feel that I was chosen and I can help people find their way and heal. And, you know, what I want is for them to be able to help other people as well. And there's not enough people out there that we need all the people. There's never enough people to coach and help in the world here. Mm -hmm. One key shift that I see here is the fact that you have shifted out of what could easily have been victimhood into empowerment mode right? You have looked at how that is serving you as opposed to why the hell did that happen to me? You know what I mean? And that part of your story is what's particularly inspirational. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you're such a powerhouse, 
at this point in your life is, yeah, that's truly inspirational. Thank you. I do look at that. I hear some people who have not done a lot of work or healing and I can really hear it loudly because I just want to take them and and help them and guide them. So you hear a lot more when you've been doing the work. You know, I think it's when we're dealing with trauma and healing, it's a lot of integrative work, right? It's not only energetic work, it's also coaching work and therapeutic work. And the whole integrative system is what we need to really embrace as the way of healing. It's not just one thing. There are so many elements that are sort of scattered, right? And now how do you hold your space up there in that vibration, you know, where you don't let the dark come in and you don't attract the negative? How do you, what are some exercises that you do to keep you elevated? I think a real key part is consistency, doing these exercises every day. And I think being self-aware is so key. And when you hear those voices in your head that are saying, either talking about someone else or saying, oh, you're, you know, gosh, I'm feeling horrible or I did that wrong or whatever negative, because it can transform into a lot of different things. It's important to hear it and turn it around right away and say something positive. Just really use that muscle to get really self-aware. But I, you know, Tony Robbins priming is very powerful when you do that every day because then you're working on gratitude which is a huge component to healing and to being outside of yourself and then the component of visualization but so that would be yes priming you have to move you have to have exercise and meditation but just feeding your mind with anything you can get your hands on that will be inspirational where you can learn it's learning and really getting into some, you know, powerful groups, just really being obsessed with learning on different levels. Speaking of priming, I'll never forget them. I have to say this because this is funny. I was on Facebook one day, and I, this is before I even knew you, Lorelai, and you had a, this Facebook Live where you were walking on the beach and you were priming. <laughs> she was these guys are walking by her now tina had mentioned she's magnetic yes she's already magnetic without the priming but when she's walking on and she's priming as she's walking on a facebook live and these guys are walking by and like it amplified her magnetism and i think one of the things that i've noticed about you and i want people to know this about you is that you are like a pit bull with a goal And I think that's what keeps you focused because when we go through trauma, there's certain elements of focus that's kind of distorted. So when I see you have a target as a goal, I've never seen you let it go. Do you think that's important? (laughs) I laugh laugh because my microphone's coming this weekend for my pod to prep me for my podcast. That's my... Other goal is to create my podcast for people who have experienced trauma. So, no, I don't let it go because I just feel I'm here, I survived, and I've come this far, and I have such magical people coming into my life that it would be a disservice not to keep going and not to do big things to help people. I have so much knowledge, and I have the way. I know the way out. I know how to heal people. Yes, you do. 
And the great thing about you is you just stand in a room and you healed. This is, no, seriously, people, you don't realize you have to follow this girl. She's insane. I have never seen anybody so fearless that should be fearing everything. No, I'm like, you are truly, I mean, once you get the book out and once you get that movie out and I'm putting it out there right now because there's no way. I honestly can't wait. (laughs) Oprah will be interviewing me, just FYI. Well, yeah, for sure, because I think your story is actually more powerful than Oprah's. Like, this is insane. Oprah, check this girl out because she's insane. No, it's truly has been an honor for both me and Tina to know you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Our life is so enriched by knowing you. And one thing that I want to say also about you, and I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if you really realize this, because you put yourself out there. You're doing the Facebook Lives. You're doing these mastermind groups. And not only are you doing mastermind groups, you're, you're chairing them. You're getting all these amazing people in there, both as guests and members. It's because that's one way to hold yourself accountable. And when you hold yourself accountable, even if you don't feel like talking, you know, in a positive way or about the lessons that you've learned in life, you put yourself on a stage where you have no choice but to do it, right? And that's a great way to get beyond yourself. Right? right, and not slip into that victimhood and look at it as, as a gift and being a source of inspiration because you totally are. Oh, so all of that happening, like what's the next step for Lorelai? Like we talked, well, what more is there? We're talking about a movie. We're talking about podcasts. We're talking about other things. Is there anything else that's coming up for you soon? There is. I'm going to actually be developing a spiritual jewelry line, which will be really focused on healing crystals maybe some fun things with astrology and 1111, all the numbers that we love. Mm-hmm. to be. And so that's in the works. And the other thing that's coming up actually next week is I'm going to be speaking at an event called the Platt Summit where the Tony Robbins Platinum Partners <clears throat> invite guests. And there's a panel with Alison Armstrong, Joseph McClendon, Master Co, Sean Calgie, uh, some other big speakers. Well, I've been asked to speak there, so I'm very excited to share my story. And I'll be speaking with, in the same company as Siri Lindley and I forget the name of the Dutch man. Ariane Urkel? Yes. So I'm very excited because that's my other aspiration is to do a lot of public speaking to share my story and I'll be on Tony's stage one day too. Oh, that's coming up very soon. Yeah. Oh no. So exciting. Please follow everybody. Follow Lorelai because things are about to explode into this world where no one has excuses. We're going to put all her contact information where you can find and follow Lorelai in this description with our podcast. And believe it or not, girls, we are at the end of our time. This went so fast and it just shows that, you know, what you have to offer and what you're talking about is just so inspirational and so, so interesting. And thanks, Lorelai, not only for being here with us today, but, you know, we're, we're grateful for your friendship. We're grateful for the fact that you totally embraced your journey and you're so open. You're really so open. And that vulnerability really hits home for a lot of people. And that's why, and thanks for finding the gift in your life, right? And sharing that. Thank you so much. It was really wonderful being here and really appreciate you asking me. Thank you, Lorelai. Thank you, everyone.
Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Life Makeover Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. We really value your opinion. So please feel free to send us your questions, comments, or feedback. You can find out more about Tina Gesso and Susan Hum and the Life Makeover Show podcast at www.lifemakeovercollective.com. Thanks for listening.